The following podcast has adult themes, sexual content, and strong language, mostly because I have a potty mouth. Hi, I am Adam, and this is Where Is My Nigerian Prince. Each week, I tell the tale of my search for love, the highs, the lows, the utter embarrassments, and the hopefully funny side of single life today. I also fully intend to rope in some friends to tell their stories along the way, and maybe together we can soothe the dating wounds of the entire world. Episode 6 by Unrequited Prince. After two years in China, I processed my guilt with some time and service to my sister and her kids while her husband served his country. It was an amazing time, but all too quickly finances brought me back to reality and home in New Zealand where I needed a job and I needed to return to life. Luckily, the finance industry was booming and my history in the banking sector left me with lending skills that were very much in demand. So it wasn't long before I got a role working for a finance company that offers home loans to customers through a network outside of the big banks. It was all legit and the products were great, but more than that, the working environment was really lovely too. I joined a small team that worked together and had each other's backs. We were nimble and smarter than our competitors with much faster turnaround on approval. And I was proud to be entrusted with the power to approve up to half a million dollars all on my own. The company was growing quickly and my ability to build strong relationships with the salespeople was making for a great dynamic where they understood that I didn't decline without reason and I didn't ask for more information unless I was trying to find a solution for them. I even won an award as voted for by the salespeople, so I was flying high. It was here that I met some new and wonderful people, including an amazing woman from India who I clicked with and we became fast friends. Peter was in her 40s, married with three children, all at university age. She had style and a naughty sense of humour that worked well with mine. And I learnt so much about her culture through our ability to share frank discussions on any subject. She was in an arranged marriage with a progressive Muslim man who allowed her to be a modern woman in most ways. Well, that is, except he didn't like it if she wore provocative makeup. So early in our friendship, we had bonded over finding out that she left the house looking very demure, and by the time she was made it to work, she had on her bright clothes and her favourite red lipstick, the one her husband called Whore's Lipstick, and she loved it. We found ourselves free to talk about almost anything, and one day I'd been asking her about being a Muslim, trying to understand the world from her perspective, when I shared that I no longer believed in God, but... No matter how much my logic said it was ridiculous, I still felt this ingrained fear. What if I go to hell? And that is when Preeti admitted something to me. She felt exactly the same. She thought her religion was just superstition too, but she still feared Allah the same way I did. There was silence as we both looked at each other and smiled, realizing we had just been set free. That our fear was not from some supreme being, but it was, in fact, something we had been taught since we were young. That if she could deeply fear her particular deity just as much as I did, then the whole house of cards begins to crumble. If one is real and the other is not, then how could we both feel the exact same fear? Unless it came from the same place. A lie. 
From that moment on, Preeti and I got closer, often sharing lunch together and talking about boys, making dirty jokes, talking about her kids and their 20-something dramas, and me making her laugh by saying how hot her son was and it was a pity he was wasted on girls. But also, Preeti asked questions of me that for some would be uncomfortable, but for me, I was happy to help her understand what it was to be gay and see the world from my point of view. One day, she said to me a common thing she heard from her husband was that he didn't care what homos did in private. But why did they have to throw it in his face with parades? In return, I asked, well, why do straights throw it in my face all the time? Pretty was perplexed, so that day at lunch I pointed out every time heterosexuality was pushed in my face. That ad with a hot man cuddling a woman. The jewellery shop, if he loves you, he'll show you it with diamonds. Pasted across a picture of a woman receiving a ring. Couples holding hands as they walked in the streets. The quick kiss, goodbye. The assumption on a home loan ad that it was a male and a female buying a house together. And on and on it went. She started to understand and suddenly realized, just like being a Muslim in a Christian country, everything is set up to make you feel other. And they get very uncomfortable when you don't match up with that. Suffice to say, I loved Preeti and she loved me. And as time went on, we shared many things. I learned so much. Meanwhile, the company was growing and our success was showing. With increased office space and the hiring of a number of new staff, including an amazing woman whose frank honesty and insight would make her become a close friend as well. Soon enough, it was Preeti, Diane and I all lunching and talking about boys. Then one day, my boss tapped me on my shoulder. Hi Adam, I'd like you to meet Rob. I stopped typing and stood up as I turned to meet this new person and shake his hand. I held out my hand automatically as my eyes scanned upward from his lunchbox to his chest and finally they caught his beautiful crystal blue eyes and I almost vomited. Nice to meet you! Before turning red and trying to compose myself. This man was beautiful. And I was in no state to cope with that. So I quickly welcomed Rob properly, wished him luck and made excuses about being busy so I could turn my back and begin to process this feeling of love and lust at first sight. It was only 15 minutes later after Rob had finished his tour when the happy awkward discomfort was notched up to maximum as I realised Rob was being seated in the pod right next to mine. Where, if I looked up from my screen at the wrong time, I would easily drown in his eyes. Rob was lean and just a bit taller than me. Caucasian, or as Kiwis say, he was Pākehā. He had a sweet smile, was clearly fit and strong in a cyclist kind of way rather than a rugby player way. Rob was easy to talk to, which had the mixed blessing of helping me move on from my starstruck phase quickly, but also to usher me into an infatuation as easily as a doorman at the Ritz shows you through the front door. If he was the mother duck, I was a duckling following without thought. If he needed help, I was quick to it. In fact, to him I must have seemed a little bit like one of those rodents in the whack-a-mole game, my head popping up over the divider at the slightest suggestion of being needed or useful. In the evenings I found myself having dreams of Rob, of kissing him for the first time, of holding his hand, holding him close, running my hand down the back of his head, down his back, and finally cupping his perfect sweet round ass. As Patsy said, bun so tight he was bouncing off the walls, darling. <laughs>
And it wasn't long before I just had to know if he was gay. I had checked out his ring finger and there was no sign of marriage. He had never talked of girlfriends or boyfriends. In fact, much of his personal life was a mystery. And my girlfriends and I soon found ourselves conjecturing on that very subject many a lunch break. Thankfully, as Rob started to relax, he became part of the crew and some of his secrets began to come out. A very straight love of Volkswagen cars had me downhearted until I heard him talking about sewing curtains for his new apartment. And then going to watch drag car racing with his partner Kerry left me, well, very confused. In gay speak, when you refer to your significant other as partner, it generally means they are the same sex and you're not confident enough to disclose their gender at this moment. Therefore, outing yourself. But drag car racing is so not a gay standard outing. The only Kerry's I'd met as well had been woman. Well, damn, I just need to know. I would say we had known each other about three months before one day I found the right moment and summoned the courage to ask, so do you think you'll marry your girlfriend one day? (laughs) Rob was comfortable and confident enough to finally answer, no, but that's because he's a guy, and he began to laugh. In those days, it was not an option to marry, and I honestly didn't think it ever would be. So it was the right question to fish out the truth. But the answer was both exciting and depressing. Secretly, I'd been hoping he might be straight, so I could get past this fantasy. But all it did was give some tiny glimmer that maybe my dream man would want me. This went on for months. Always smiling, always kind, always wishing he would want me, would be free to be with me, and missing everything else that went past because I had blinders on that meant my eyes were only for Rob. As the year went by, things did not improve for me, and my unrequited love was beginning to make me annoyed with myself. When the annual work Christmas party was announced and everyone was encouraged to bring their significant others, I again had mixed feelings. I would be alone, which was always uncomfortable, but at least I might meet Kerry and finally know what kind of guys Rob was into. Hoping on one hand he might be a big fella like me, so maybe Rob would one day be interested, but likewise hoping he wasn't, so maybe this stupid obsession would finally die off. When the party came round, I made the effort to look as well-dressed as I could and soon caught up with my girls. Diane was there with her partner and they seemed great together. I thought she was pretty darn special, so I hoped her partner deserved her. And then Pretty arrived with her husband looking very handsome in a suit, proud to have his wife on his arm. I excitedly greeted them and we made small talk. Then it happened. In walked the light of my life, Rob, with his tiny, gorgeous, little Asian boyfriend. And though my heart sank, I put on a smile to greet them both. That was it for the night. Disappointment that I could never be Rob's type. If he liked Asian guys, I'm about as opposite as I could be to his boyfriend. I'm tall, white, big and hairy. I felt so ugly and unwanted. And the rest of the night didn't get much better. It was excruciating, and I was soon making my excuses to go home where I could have a little cry and get online to find some random guy to hook up with. (laughs) Thankfully, it was the weekend and I had a few days to process my feelings, finally realising that at least my infatuation must now be broken and by the time Monday morning rolled around, I would walk to my desk with confidence. 
That was until Rob popped his head up and asked, Are you okay, mate? You left the party pretty early. I was pretty worried about you. And I looked in his eyes and I knew that, Fuck, 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 fuck. I'm still in love. The torture would continue. Every day, I couldn't help but try to ingratiate myself with him. Be kind, try to make him notice me, take any chance I could to touch him on the shoulder or even give him a hug. A platonic one, of course, when the situation allowed, but every day I also hated it, and every day I loved him. Until that was, when five months later my birthday rolled around, and Rob, Diane, Pretty, and a number of other workmates all decided to take me out to dinner to celebrate. We went to the local casino's wonderful restaurant and started drinking, laughing and having fun. We soon had a little flutter on the poker machine and I watched as some of the others tried table games that I had no clue about. Then we went to the bar and were dancing when Pretty said she needed to head home. Hugs all round and she was soon on her way and as I blew her a kiss I noticed Rob whisper something in the ear of one of our other workmates who I didn't particularly like but I brushed it off and we all kept dancing and drinking. After a lovely fun night we all went out front to get taxis. I didn't need one as my flat was a short walk away so I was able to hang with them as the numbers dwindled. Soon Diane was gone and as the taxi pulled away I turned just in time to hear... Fuck, thank God she's gone. After that mess pretty left, I thought things would get better. But fuck, man, Diane is a handful, said Rob in a nasty, bitchy voice to one of the other girls. They laughed hard and I must have looked a bit taken aback because he looked at me and said, I know they're your friends, but you have to know how much they are to handle. He defended himself and laughed nastily. Suddenly... I noticed that Rob had a horrible mole on the corner of his nose. I noticed the razor burn on his neck, that bad comb-over bald patch that I'd never seen before. I saw his sweaty armpits and realised his ass was flatter than I thought. I realised his clothing choices were kind of horrible. He had stained teeth and those blue eyes, well, they looked a little less bright and a lot foggier. I noticed he was no one special at all. And I realised it was time to go home. I laughed and I headed home, fully aware that that ugly bitch was about to backstab me too. But I didn't care because personality had broken the spell and I was free. That was the day I learned that looks are subject to personality and they go up and down massively depending on who you are underneath the exterior you try to show the world. Never again did I pick up anything or go out of my way to help my colleague. And never again did I feel a wink of unrequited love. Just a sense of pity for this nasty queen who chased young Asians just to feel young himself. This has been a production of Adam Wright. I hold the copyright to this material. A huge thanks to my talented niece Grace Beard for turning my poorly written music into the theme music of Where's My Nigerian Prince? Next week, I'll be back with episode 7 and I will tell you about my white picket prince. Meanwhile, please send any feedback or comments or requests to Where's My Nigerian Prince on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Gmail and at wheresmynigerianprince.com Oh, please spread the word too. And don't forget the most important thing of all. 
Love yourself.